0: Along to this Easter edition of the gardening program, Porik. Good morning. Good morning, you are Deirdre. Good morning. With us in studio good morning, this morning, listeners. I am. Yeah. Bit of a damp morning. It is. Out there. It's
1: unfortunate to see yeah. the weather turning slightly, but um, but I think we're going to get the best of it because the rain was last night, as we know. Today will start to dry up from. Above Do we think? Are, are we ah, taking well. the
0: positive attitude? We are. Tomorrow? I am anyway. I really anyway. need to hear about the positive <laughs> attitude this morning in relation
1: to weather. <laughs> and well, I think tomorrow is going to be the worst day. You know, we're going to get a good bit of rain tomorrow. Unfortunately, <laughs> but Monday is looking uh, reasonably dry okay. as well and okay. you know, into next week I think it's to be mixed all right. So showery weather, I suppose, look, it's expected for March. Our Easter is, is so yes. early this it year.
0: It is, yeah.
1: Um, so look at, I, I actually remember last week we were chatting about the sprouting seeds. Yes. You know, I was talking about seeds like wheatgrass and uh, the microgreens that Never Maguire uses and um, ma- uh, the point I was making last week is that they're so easy to grow and really for, the children are off now for, the next two weeks it'll be a simple little uh, project to get them to do even yes. in their homes and it, it, I suppose it teaches them that the sowing of seeds teaches them things like the circle of life it teaches them how, how plants grow from seed how they grow then during the summer months so things like pumpkins for example if they're sown from seed this time of year or sunflowers they can be grown on a windowsill they'll germinate in a two week period they'll grow then during the summer period when the kids are off and pumpkins can be harvested then in, at Halloween obviously and sunflowers can be let grow until they die in October, November and the, the birds then feed off the seed. Mm. And it's a, I think it's a great project for showing people and showing children in particular that circle of life. But I, I thought with the sprouting uh, seeds, and these are small micro greens that you sow indoors. Are
0: these on the ones that we can sow without the soil? Well,
1: remember that. You see, yeah. I, when I mentioned that last week, I thought there was a doubting... Thomas, you, No, you, no, you, I wasn't you, doubting you, at all. You, you I, was, I
0: was intrigued. You were, que- you were
1: questioning whether, whether they would actually grow without soil. So I said, right, here's the challenge. Okay. So On Sunday, I got a couple of <laughs> packets of seed. <laughs> Just to prove me <laughs> wrong. A couple of Tupperware <laughs> packs. And all that I've added to that, Deirdre, is literally water. Right. So... Two tablespoons of water uh, to the full pack of seed, and you can see already how. They're they're, they're, so that's away. alfalfa. R- right. uh, and alfalfa is one of the easiest of all.
0: So these are are these ready for eating? They're I'm ready. For, yeah, they're for okay, lunch so and see what you yeah. think. So that's okay. alfalfa
1: seed. It's it was sown last Sunday, so it's what about six days old now. Oh, it's alright. Isn't it? Mm. Uh, full of protein, packed with protein, and you're eating the plant when it's full of energy. Um, it's literally only six or seven days old. So that was put in a tubware container, the full pack of seeds, about two tablespoons of water, maybe mm. three tablespoons of water, add it and literally the top of it's sealed and then before you eat them, you just put them through a sieve just to wash okay. off um, you know, any kind of liquid or whatever mm. and just kind of, but they're, they're fantastic for using. You
0: haven't added anything to those now, have I've you? I've
1: added a small bit a of lemon. Bit, oh,
0: I have something
1: yeah, hard there. small mm. bit of lemon to that. Just, oh, yeah, I just, thought
0: maybe that it was the variety.
1: Just to flavour <clears throat> it, but alfalfa is, is great in sandwiches, it's great, you can use it for so many things, you can eat it raw um, and it's full of protein. Also things like chickpeas, which oh, are yes. sprouted very well, and they're used in hummus and, and lots of dishes as well. They can be cooked as well. And this one called fen Greek which again is similar to alfalfa. Again, it's very high in protein, lovely in sandwiches, in salads. I see this on sale in supermarkets well,
0: and it. it is very pricey. It is, and it's yeah.
1: so simple to grow. Literally from a pack of seeds, you can grow the, the seeds so easily. Mm. There's kind of got a curry flair to, to that and it is used in a lot of curry dishes um, and used oh, a lot in fe- turkey. Fenugreek. and
0: fenugreek, is it? Fenugreek, mm. yeah.
1: Um, oh, re- that's what that is? Yeah, that's what no, that that I, is. Yeah. Yeah, So that sandwiches, messes. salads, it can be used in, in uh, mm. Mediterranean-type like dishes it. as well. And But I suppose the point is it's so easy to grow. And this time of year, literally just sit it on your windowsill. It'll grow within a couple of days. And as you say, they're expensive to buy, but so simple to grow. Even wheatgrass, which we talked about last mm. week for juicing. Now that does need to be grown in seed trays, in compost, because you're actually eating the, the, the green foliage. And that will take, it'll take about four to six weeks to grow and mm. germinate until it's ready for cutting and then you grow you crop it for about another six week period so that needs to be in compost but any of the sprouting seeds like broccoli and red cabbage they can all be sprouted as mini greens and then used in salads and in sandwiches and in dishes um to garnish
0: and there's loads of different options there's loads of different (laughs) and they
1: are so easy to grow so that's something that that and indeed Kind of on that theme of sowing seed, like I mentioned the sunflower, the pumpkins, this is the time of year that people should be sowing the seeds of many plants, both vegetable, herbs and flowering plants. All the summer bedding plants can be still sown from seed indoors with the temperatures we have inside with the view to planting out then later on at the in the middle of April or in early May. So there's lots of time to s- sow plants f- from seed. Following on from that, um, it's also the time in for in terms of fruit planting and in, in terms of growing fruit. Um, for listeners that have fruit in their garden, plants like pears and plums are coming into flower as we speak. Apples will start to flower as we come into mid-April. So if you do need to do some pruning on, on any of the fruit trees, this is you're on the kind of border now of mm-hmm. when plants should be pruned back so tighten them back a little bit the wet weather is also very good for feeding plants so not just fruit trees but also for feeding hedges and trees in general when you've got this wet weather it's ideal for getting some fertiliser on so have, if you haven't fed your roses or you haven't fed your hedging plants or trees or shrubs and they're showing you a little bit of um, yellowing or anemic colours yeah. then this is the time of year and particularly this weekend would be a perfect weekend because the temperatures are it's still very mild we've got that lo- lovely southerly breeze coming up and um, so the temperatures are quite warm growth is starting and if you get the fertilizer on now it'll work very rapidly so okay. if you haven't fed your lawn for example this weekend if you've got a dry window for an hour or so get out and feed the lawn or feed the trees and shrubs or roses or plants in general require feeding but it's also a really good time for finishing off the pruning of, of fruit trees but also feeding fruit trees and indeed planting fruit trees yeah. if you want to put in some blueberries or some strawberries or uh, apples pears plums blackcurrants, gooseberries, raspberries, all of those, this is the time to actually get them into the soil. The soil has dried up, um, you know, it's amazing even over the last 10 days how well the planting conditions have improved. So it's really good planting conditions. And the rain even last night wasn't that excessive so um, it's still perfect weather for, for planting fruit trees in particular and also the feeding of plants in general. The other key thing that caught my eye in the centres were the uh, sweet peas I see are in the annual And I sweet see a couple pea. of
0: questions in on those as well.
1: Right well this is the time for certainly the annual sweet peas so these are sweet pea seeds that were sown about six weeks ago they're ready for planting out now they're a hardy annual so even if we get some frost in uh, April and May it won't affect the, the sweet pea plants now is the time to get them in and the best way they're a climbing plant so they do need some support or trellis, they're ideal for growing against a wall. And um, what I tend to do is, if you're planting sweet peas, they like plenty of organic matter. So, if you can dig a trench in the soil, fill it back, fill it with garden compost that you may have made yourself, or some farmer manure or some mushroom compost, put about a foot layer of that in into the trench, backfill the soil and then plant the sweet peas along the top of the soil and pinch out the growing points. So that's the very top half inch of the sweet peas. Take those out. Or if listeners have them on their windowsills mm-hmm. that they've sown from seed themselves, snip off the top half inch at this stage because that encourages lateral branching. And the more branches you get on the sweet pea, the more flowers you're going to enjoy during the summer period. So the planting of sweet peas out of doors at this time of year is is highly advisable. Because it's Easter people want some colour as well at the moment, some instant colour. So there are a lot of plants like the violas and pansies, um, ranunculus primulas, which are flowering at the moment, or brecha, which is lovely at the moment, mm-hmm. blue campanula. So if you want to plant up a couple of containers for the Easter period and add a bit of colour around the garden, certainly there's lots of colour available and it's a good time to plant colour in the garden.
0: Okay, so no
1: Is that it's, enough it's, to do over the weekend? Yeah, that's pretty,
0: yeah, yeah. I, no, I think, I think that'll keep us all occupied for... Okay. Uh, for for the Easter weekend and into the bank holiday. So, questions from all sides this morning. Poruck, we have emails, we have texts, we have phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we it. right, we're going to start with an email. Uh, a long-time Swinford listener, good morning to you, and a question on algae. Mm. Um big fan of the show, I have a big pond in my garden. Now, there is a photo, but uh, it just it didn't print off that well for us. So, we're going to go in with just the information provided on the email. A uh, big pond, major problems with algae. Um, Could you advise on how I can get rid of the algae in the past? Yeah,
1: algae, you know, at this time of year as we're coming into... Late spring, early summer, algae is going to be a problem in, in many lawns. Um, and again, with the mild winter as well, you, you're going to see more algae in ponds and, and water features. So it's really just a green scum on the, on the within the actual um, pond water. What I would do is use something like a split bamboo cane to take off the heavy or say a very fine net to take off the heavy algae first of all. So just go around the pond and take out as much of the heavy, heavy algae as possible and then use a treatment called barley straw treatment which is a liquid you mix it in water through the watering can you apply it to the pond and that corrects the algae within the the pond it'll kill off any algae that's there and if you use that treatment the barley straw treatment every six weeks during the summer period you'll keep the barley or the uh, algae at bay so take off the excess now with a fine net and then use barley straw treatment and that'll keep it I'll get free for the rest of the the summer.
0: Excellent. Now, here's a question. I I visited a garden in Fines last summer and admired a lovely plant. The lady owner told me it was a geranium madernes. Madernes, Yes. And when I was leaving, gave me some seeds of it. I sowed them and now have 10 fine, big, sturdy plants in the glass house. Oh, super. Yeah. I believe they may be tender, though. Can you tell me more about how to treat this plant this summer?
1: Well, what I would do if the plants are strong now, Mm. I would wait till probably the middle toward the end of April before planting them out. They're going to require a bright sunny location so um, south facing area very free draining soil and um, they'll flower right through until September, October which again they'll produce seed and and that seed can be collected. You can also uh, propagate the plant by division. So take some seed in the autumn uh, maybe take some division plants as well pot them up and hold them in your greenhouse then over the winter period and I would leave the mother plants the large plants in the ground right. for the winter period and just in a mild winter they'll come through if we get a severe winter you may lose them but at least you'll have saved, saved some seed and saved, saved some of the divisions as well and uh, so about the middle of April we'll be safe enough to start planting them out of doors bright sunny location free draining soil and you'll have colour right through till September, October of this year
0: Okay, is that particular variety of geranium uh, more unusual it is than the standard? a little bit standard? more unusual
1: a little bit more unusual and a little bit more tender as well Right. Right. geraniums can be broken up into two types you've got the kind of Mediterranean type geraniums which are uh, very frost sensitive Mm. and you've got hardy geraniums that can be planted directly out of doors and left out all winter long Um, so this is a slightly tender variety so my advice really is to take some uh, seeds as the listener did last year Mm. or some divisions as well and just keep them through the winter in the
0: greenhouse. Now, I know you've already mentioned sweet pea, but Mary Jane has a question uh, about the lifelong sweet pea or the everlasting. everlasting, everlasting thank you. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sweet pea. Yeah. Um, is uh, she's wondering she's having difficulty locating it in uh, in her local stores. She's wondering uh, where it might be
1: got. Yeah, well, it's available now for planting. The plants are generally about a foot high, fifteen inches high mm-hmm. at the moment. It comes in a white form called White Pearl or Pink Pearl, which mm-hmm. is the pink uh, variety of it. Um, so, certainly we have them in the garden centres in Castle Bar but again just check in your local garden centre it's called the Everlasting Sweet Pea and um, if you get plants of them this time of year mm-hmm. they will actually flower this year but you can also sow it from seed as well the seed is available in the Thompson and Morgan range now if you sow the seed of that variety this of the Everlasting it's, it's going l- to flower next year. next year yeah so but look for the plants they are available
0: great um, now uh, a listener uh, has used the zero and they wanted to let us know that it worked faster than you said it would work Okay. The moss was dead I overnight. I think you might have been stretching it not out yet, well. A couple days, of days, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was anyway, almost the instantaneous, thing. yeah. Um, but they're wondering now: does it need? Does does will the lawn need some lawn food? And if yeah. so, what should they yeah. use? Yeah, and all lawns need mm. feeding
1: this year, whether they've got moss or not. And most mm. lawns have moss. So look at the follow-up treatment: just to put on a straight lawn feed, something like Osmo Park and Fairway. This. This weekend is perfect for putting on straight lawn fertilisers because you want the rain to wash them in. Uh, so if you put the feed on now, it'll have it greened up by this this weekend or sooner.
0: Or sooner. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to time frame yeah. it for you any no, longer. Put a, put, put a
1: straight lawn feed. Uh, park and fair will be very good. Uh, it'll cover about 400 square yards and that'll green it up within a week. Excellent.
0: Now, a couple of hydrangea related questions. Okay. um As we Anne, always get. Anne, yeah. <laughs> Anne is wondering what to feed hydrangea, and another listener is wondering if it's too late to cut back hydrangea, no. but also fuchsia and rose bushes. Right. right. Well, all of those
1: yeah. are summer flowering, and any mm. of the summer flowering plants you can still prune black for. So, fuchsias, roses, uh, hydrangeas, um, hypericums, anything that flowers from June through to kind of winter period, you can prune at this time of year, even though you're going to see some new shoots and new buds at the tips of the plants just cut them back and the other thing is to feed when we prune we feed so with hydrangeas you use a high potash fertilizer Um, pro-6 would be very good or a, a good rose fertilizer something like top rose put around the base of the plants now hydrangeas are quite hungry plants so you want to apply two or three handfuls around the base of of the plant it's also a good time for using the hydrangea colorant if you want to change the flowers from pink to blue you could also apply that at this time of year so by all means this weekend you could prune them back uh, you could feed as well and same with roses and fuchsias they'll all benefit from addressing a fertilizer as well
0: Okay, now a more specific uh, rose question from Margaret. Um, Margaret has had a rose bush for years and it has been cut back several years. And again, it's sprouting well now. But last year, a lot of brown spots on the leaves and a lot of black spots as well. Now, she did have work done uh, around the area and there was a lot of dust from blocks uh, and in the soil. Um, So she's just wondering, she's given it a feed a few times with tomato feed. Uh, She's wondering, what do you think?
1: Well, what, what do I think? Well, Has uh, <laughs> she I mean, done the right
0: thing or the wrong thing?
1: Look, at, she's done everything right. I mean, over the last winter or last summer, remember, we had a very wet, particularly May, it was extremely wet. A lot of uh, mildew around, a lot of black spot around uh, on, on on roses in particular. So that was atypical of, of uh, 2015. Mm. This year, Once the plant has been pruned back, naturally it kicks into growth and putting on the feed is very good. I would prefer generally a granulated fertilizer because it's a little bit stronger. But once you get new growth, the flush new growth, that's the time to protect the plant. And it's the time to start using something like Rose Rescue or Rose Clear to keep the plant clean and disease free. So you start as soon as you get an inch or two of nice fresh leaves on the rose bush around this time of year, Mm. you start applying the first application of Rose Rescue and you use that every month. Right up until August, September, and that keeps the plant
0: um, nice and disease healthy.
1: and and uh, black and spot free. Yeah, and you feed once a month roses as well. So feed once a month and apply the rose rescue once a month, and it should keep it in tip-top condition.
0: Excellent. Now, a listener has a new glasshouse and Great. they want lots of tomatoes, okay. and they're wondering what types might be easy but also tasty. <clears throat> Tasty. Tasty and easy, Tasty. Please. Well, yeah.
1: if you want something with, with um, you know, a very, very sweet, remember I mentioned one last year called um, Sweet Aparitif, mm-hmm. which is the, one of the highest... Uh, tomatoes with natural sugar so it's a very sweet variety Um, still has uh, a bit of acidity to it as well so it gives it a really good flavour so it's sweet but it also has that kind of tart flavour to it as well so that's a really nice one sweet aperitif it's an easy variety to grow Um, if you want one for say a hanging basket or a tub or container Mm -hmm. say in the greenhouse again tumbler is a really simple one to grow Shirley for me is a really nice variety I think it's um, one of the best tomatoes it's a a large sized tomato but again produces really good well flavored fruits golden sunrise is a yellow tomato yep. which again it'd be just add a bit of color something different but also in your greenhouse you could consider maybe growing some cucumbers some uh, courgettes some melons um you know, other fruiting plants, chilies, peppers, rather than aubergines, there plants of those are available now for planting in a greenhouse, along with the tomatoes. Basil would be something as well. I'd grow at the base of the tomatoes. It adds a bit of flavour to the tomatoes, but also it works very well in dishes that you're if you're making pizzas or you're using um. tomatoes in tomato sauce. The basil goes very well with it. So, and in a greenhouse environment, basil grows extremely easy and extremely well.
0: And does it? It does. Does it add flavour to it the does. tomatoes when it's growing yes. in the growing yes. process? Not yeah. just obviously mixing. You can in cooking? No,
1: you can plant it at the base of um, tomato plants and it adds flavours to the actual fruit. They work very well oh, together, the how two of them. Interesting. Okay. So basil for me, and there's a lovely variety called Crimson King which has purple foliage. It's the colour of Dillisk. So it's a basil, same flavour as ordinary basil but it adds that fantastic purple Dillisk-like colour right. to dishes as well. And you can grow the ordinary green form as well. And indeed other herbs could be grown in the in the, in the, greenhouse. the, in the greenhouse. Yeah. Mm. So there's lots of Make, make use of the, of the greenhouse rather than just for tomatoes. But they're obviously
0: tomato fans on that house. They obviously
1: are. They <laughs> obviously are. But, you know, if you get six plants or eight plants in a greenhouse, that's enough for any yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, unless you're into chutneys. One, or one can huge, have too
0: many tomatoes. Well, that's true. That's true.
1: Well, Why not go for a bit of variety? Yeah. And there's lots, like, like the cucumbers and melons and basil and so on that you can grow in the tunnel as well.
0: Now, uh, a listener has a lot of the common garden trees and they're wondering if you could suggest something a little different to grow. They wanted it to be at 15 foot or larger and they'd like it as a feature tree.
1: Well, do you know, I was thinking about uh, this morning about uh, the 1916 celebrations. Yes, yeah. And what a nice idea would be for people to plant a tree.
0: Lovely idea, Warwick, it? yeah, it's a lovely idea. And yeah.
1: uh, I was thinking of a tree that actually what is in flower this time of year Oh, it's that's below. a question
0: for me, for me, sorry. What do you think? Uh, what's in flower? I mentioned a plant
1: actually a couple of weeks back uh, that was, and it's actually just in flower at the moment. Is it a, a tree the called... Cherry, the cherry,
0: like the blossoms, Well, you know? cherries
1: well, could be. There they're coming some, in. Yes, yeah, so yeah. they're just beginning to start um, some uh, of the early varieties. Yeah. But there's a lovely tree called the snowy mespilus. Remember I mentioned it oh, two yes. weeks ago. That's actually in flower as we speak. It has just come into flower in the last week or 10 days. Um, it's a plant called Amelanchier lamarchii. And there's a variety called ballerina which grows straight up it's an upright variety big white flowers bronze leaves at this time of year that turn to green in summer and then they turn to red in autumn so, so it's a really nice yes, trait so one, this yeah. is uh, the snowy mesplus and it gets its name because when it's in flower it's like the snow has landed on the tree. it's absolutely covered in flowers and it will be in flower this Easter weekend. So you, that's a tree, certainly. You buy them, they're about six or seven feet tall. Okay. It'll grow to about 15 feet in height, which is what the listener is looking for. A very spectacular tree. And it would normally be in flower. <clears throat> I know that Easter, Easter uh, changes uh, slightly each year, but it would actually flower, you know, from March right, right. through to the end of April. And okay. munching on one of yeah, those he's, uh, sprouts. He's eating the sprouts <laughs> as he's talking. <laughs> so, um, so that would be a tree for me that would be really nice. Another very attractive tree. It's a new variety. It's actually in the cherry family. It's a, a tree called Burgundy Purple. Wow. And it's got purple foliage, um, large purple leaves at this time of year, double pink flowers in in April. And again, that tree produces a spectacular autumn colour. So it's a prunus. It's in the cherry family. It's one called Burgundy Purple, a really nice tree. I often think the cherries are lovely, but once they go out of flower, know, you're yeah, back to gone. boring yeah, green yeah, leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas that particular variety, Burgundy Purple, has that lovely Burgundy port wine coloured foliage, uh, nine months of the year, and um, then this lovely double pink flowers in in April, early May, and then you've got fantastic autumn colour as well, which is which is really nice. Okay. Um, another nice tree uh, if you want some kind of foliage colour there's a tree called Acer red flamingo, which like the f- red flamingos, it's got kind of pink and white and bits of green in the foliage. So it's a, it's grown for its foliage color, leaf color. Um, and as the name suggests, red flamingo, it's predominantly pink in color, particularly in spring and early summer. But again, it will hold its foliage color for nine months of the year. And again, um, you know, rather than a flowering tree that will only mm. last a couple of weeks it's a tree that gives really really good colour so th- those for me would be kind of yeah, I'm, just, I'm just
0: after looking up the, the snowy mespolis there it's nice, guess, yeah, it? it's gorgeous it's really stunning mm.
1: and a very simple tree to grow yeah. it, it doesn't need any particular it soil types it doesn't need
0: any TLC or anything no, like that no it
1: doesn't it doesn't suffer pest diseases it's a really nice tree and a tree we don't see that often whereas you'll see plenty of cherries yeah, I, and, I,
0: I see some pictures there of it in the autumn as well and it is uh, lovely yeah, autumn colour yeah. so yeah. that's
1: uh, snowy mespolis for me would be really nice tree it would right. also uh, be a nice uh, signature tree for Easter the burgundy, burgundy purple burgundy purple again really nice tree lovely purple foliage lovely p- double pink flowers nice autumn colour good medium sized tree a nice chunky um, you know a decent tree a decent tree yeah a solid tree and what was the last one I mentioned there the was red, the
0: re- the acer red, acer
1: red flamingo acer red flamingo but look at pop into your local garden there's loads of trees lovely another lovely tree is one called the flat top cherry which is Pure white flowers that hang down under the tree, so it has a flat top like a tabletop. Right. So it grows up and then it grows out, and the flowers then hang underneath.
0: Okay, but, right, but, but,
1: but those first three for me would be something a bit different. Excellent. Uh,
0: looking for a small water feature for the patio. Do okay. I need electricity and mains water and something nice but simple?
1: Yeah. Well, the the um, for generally for small water features, you do need a power point. There are solar powered. Um, Water features, but they're obviously they're not as effective (laughs) in the west of Ireland. (laughs) But certainly for most of the small water features, you need a power Mm -hmm. point. That's simple enough. Electrician would put that in for you. You don't need any plumbing because it circulates the same water round and round. And so you can get them, you know, from all sizes right up to five or six feet in height. And they make very good both in concrete and also in resin type fountains. Now some would lights that are inserted into yeah. the fountain as well to give the, you know, at night time it looks quite attractive. Oh,
0: okay, so so you're not really using uh, any great quantity of water then, no. once it's in, it's in. Once oh, you put it, the water you, maybe in. Maybe you change it every so often, Correct. is it? Correct, you yeah. top
1: it up, maybe if you get a warm summer, you right. top it up. So but, you're, but you're not
0: adding to your water, no. Bill?
1: And no, you're not, <laughs> absolutely you're not. It. <laughs> no, It's the same water that's circulated <laughs> yeah. round and round and that's the way it works, so there's lots of them available at the moment.
0: Okay. Um, planning on developing a new patch of rhubarb. Okay. I'd like the red sticked types um, I'm wondering how to prepare what plant and can I do it now?
1: Right, yes you can. The answer is yes. Um, yeah. Just make sure the ground is relatively weed free so if there's any kind of docks or scutch get rid of those first of all. Dig over the soil and add plenty of organic matter really is the advice with rhubarb. Um, so, um, so farm manure, mushroom compost, garden compost, dig that into the soil or you can, you can buy a couple of bags of farm manure and just add it into the soil. Um, two varieties I'd recommend. One called Pink Champagne um mm. which has fantastic uh kind of it's an early variety uh really deep pink uh, sticked uh rhubarb and fantastic flavor so that's pink champagne a really nice variety um the other the, the other variety with well, there's, there's an old variety called victoria which is a main crop variety which you'd normally pick kind of mid april may sort of period yeah. um and there's another one that that escapes my much. mind okay. at the moment what is it Ooh, It'll come back we'll to come me back anyway. To, yeah, yeah. We'll so, it. those two, Victoria and Pink Shem are are two excellent varieties and plant them now at this time of year. Now, you don't pick the rhubarb in its first year. Allow it to grow for the first year. Okay. Feed it well and then this time next year you can start picking the plants.
0: I have a mature red robin. The leaves are gone brown and appears to be burnt what would you recommend to feed
1: it? Right, well, first of all, is I trim it back a little bit, um, I tidy back any of the kind of dead wood or any of the damaged stems because that encourages the plant to reshoot again. And Fotinia red robin is a plant that should be pruned on a regular basis, particularly when young, to shape it. And and the more stems you create on the plant, the more colour you're going to get. You also make the plant more sturdy. Um, It tends to... You know, it's not as floppy or as, as flimsy uh, if you prune it back every spring. So my advice is to trim it back first of all, take probably six to eight inches off all the branches. So trim them all back, feed them then with Pro 6, with the Osmo Pro 6 and repeat that about six weeks later and the plant will come back into growth again. Lots of lovely re- red foliage and because you've pruned it, you'll double the amount of colour that, that was you know on the plant this year compared to last year. It'll be a sturdier, more colourful plant. So put the Osmo Pro 6 on now and repeat it in five, for six weeks' time.
0: Great. My daughter is getting married in three weeks. What kind of flowers can I put into baskets or pots to give colour? Well, color? three
1: weeks' time we're going to be, what, in the middle of April. So you're we going are. to be of still lots of colour. Um, look at the some of the plants I mentioned today already. The blue campanulas would be lovely. We've actually hydrangeas in flower, believe it or not, already at this t- time of year. So they're lovely at the moment. given big, Balls of 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 color, and um, the primulas are still looking well, and they will look well right into April. Geraniums are beginning to sneak in now. Again, they're in flower. There'll be tons of color available. My advice, really, when people are, are have a special occasion or a wedding or something like that, is come in about two weeks before the event because there's lots of color um, available, um, and you know it all depends on the weather conditions and so on. But mm. there'll be tons of color in the middle of April, uh, ready to plant. So. A couple of the plants I mentioned there, you know, the pansies, the violas, all of those will be still in bloom. So there'll be lots of colour. Somebody we'll have it looking well for the wedding.
0: Yeah, you, it, yeah <laughs> I suppose the, the problem would be, what will you choose? Because there will be such There's a big so choice. There's so much,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. leave it kind of two weeks before the event and call in then and, and, um, and in g- we'll from, get yeah. you
0: sorted out. Um, somebody wondering, can you eat wheatgrass raw?
1: Oh, you can. Yeah. You can actually eat the seedlings if you waste. You I think it's nicer like raw
0: thing. than anything. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you juice it, really. You it. juice that's it. That's, just, that's yeah.
1: mainly it. Yeah. That, yeah, you juice it up in, into a juicer. So you're actually cropping the foliage. You cut it like grass, mm. but you grow it in seed trays. And when it's about four or six inches high, you literally get the scissors or the shears out, cut it, Snips juice it, it, and drink it.
0: Now, question for Warwick about begonias. This uh, Anne has begonias, and they okay. are just budding now. Right. She's wondering what does she do next?
1: Okay. Well, remember that begonias need to be kept indoors for at least until until it's safe to plant out of doors, and, and that that means whenever the frost has has gone. So you don't plant them out until about the first week of May. So grow them indoors now. Because of sprouters, you can actually split them and propagate the begonia tuber. So like splitting a potato, if once you get the eye or the bud and a piece of the tuber, uh, you split it down the middle, and you can pot those two pieces up, and you've got new two new plants. Um, so you can propagate them actually at this time of year. Because they're very fleshy, my advice really is once you cut them with a sharp clean knife, dip them into a little bit of yellow sulphur. Which is a powder. It's a fungicide, and it stops the begonia tuber from rotting. So the cut end, as it were, you dip it into a little bit of uh, um, the yellow sulphur, mm-hmm. and then pop them up into pots, containers. You can put them into seed trays if you wish, and leave them on a, a windowsill somewhere bright, somewhere cool. A glasshouse would suit as well, but just to cover them with, with fleece if we get frost at night time. And um, so somewhere bright and cool to and allow them to grow on, and they'll start to produce new foliage, um, really strong growth between now and the first week of May. I mean, the plants will grow probably to about six or eight inches in height, something similar in diameter, and then you plant them out of doors. And begonias are great because irrespective of the summer the weather conditions we get even in a wet summer the begonias perform brilliantly they're one of those plants that do well in good weather and do well in, in wet, wet weather. weather so they're very reliable and will flower this year they flowered up to Christmas mm. from June so they're well worth planting and as the listener has done you can save the tubers each winter you just lift them out of the ground store them somewhere dry and you can propagate them as I said split them in two and pot them up again
0: Excellent. Miniature weeping willow, about okay. five years old. There is a crack in the stem, and it's not doing very well, says Sheila.
1: Okay. Well, crack in the stem. It depends how, how bad the yeah. the stem. Willows are grafted, um, so the stem and the weeping part of the willow are two different varieties of willow. Oh, okay. right? And sometimes you get shoots coming off the main stem that have to be removed. Um, often with willows as well, they they tend to build up a bit of dead wood under the where it starts to weep initially, starts to die off because the new branches are covering the older branches up each year. It's, it's producing new branches right at the top of the plant and they're shading the others. So it's often a good idea, and it is a good idea, every two years to go in and take out any dead wood. And that tends to be under the canopy of foliage of, of branches, right, right in, in mm. the centre of the plant. Yeah, and you'll know it because it'll break off with your hand. So prune all of that away at the moment. That'll help to lighten the tray. The other thing I would do is give it a feed give you some fertiliser and that will help to boost on new growth. Now willows are easy to grow. The cracking of the stem, it depends really how bad it's been. Okay. If it's broken or if it's severely cracked, then maybe consider replacing the, the, tree. the tree. And now is a good time to plant weeping willow. And they are very, very easy to grow, but it is important to remove that deadwood because if it's left, it acts like a sail and, and the wind in the winter gets the head of the tree and actually rocks it.
0: Right. so, right. so, so by
1: taking off out the old wood you help to thin th- out the branch network and allows the wind to, to, to work in through to the branches it.
0: otherwise it's actually going to damage them Correct. the stem it gets yeah. top heavy yeah. and, and
1: literally just breaks the stem Okay. so okay. I would thin it out uh, uh, now give it a feed see what happens this year and if the damage is too severe well then maybe consider replacing it at some stage
0: now, I know we just briefly touched on this at the start of the program, but uh, listener says the kids are obviously on holidays at the moment yeah. and it is a fairly lengthy break for them and in this instance they are under their feet and right. uh, they're I wondering think- if there are seeds or flowers that are child friendly and that might be easy for them to plant. Yes,
1: there are, I mean, and that's the beauty about seeds that they're so easy to grow. But why not give them something fun to do? I mean, there's there's actually some uh, there's a collection of seed, I think it's in the Thompson & Morgan range that are specifically for children. So, for example, there's a seed called a gourd the snake gourd so a gourd is a is a um it's like a
0: pumpkin is it? it's like a pumpkin
1: yeah. or a marrow they're all in the same hmm. family but the gourds produce hard really really tough um funny shaped uh fruits
0: okay right
1: and there is one called the snake gourd so which produces a, a something gourd long in the shape of a snake that the kids then in the autumn when you harvest the actual gourds can paint them like a snake but you know you can paint them oranges and greens and so on so that's something fun and, and different yeah. there's lots of sunflower seed available at the moment again they're very easy to sow there's one called junior which again is a dwarf variety it's a multi-headed variety and a really simple one for kids to grow night scented stock would be something different again they can sow the seed directly out of doors or inside and it gives a fantastic scent in during the uh, summer period particularly at night time which would be nice pumpkins I mentioned mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of other kids uh, kid-friendly uh, seeds that, that can be sown at this time of year and they'll give them and unusual exotic type plants. Yeah, that
0: would, be, uh, that, that would have greater interest perhaps than... But, uh, yeah, and also things yeah. like
1: strawberries. Why not? If yeah. you plant some strawberries, the kids will get to eat them in June. Um, you could also get them potting up some bulbs or so dahlias and even some of the begonias. They can be grown from, from uh, plants as well bring them down as well to see the Easter farm remember that's on this weekend
0: yes yeah, so actually somebody I, I noticed somebody, there is a text in here uh, that they are on the way to the Easter right, farm okay. at the moment so it's uh, a bit of fun as well yeah great stuff I saw a picture of uh, the Terry the tortoise terry, terry the tortoise
1: yeah terry. He, looks,
0: he, looks, he does look very impressive yeah, he is he is um, no sorry um, couple of questions about the zero uh, spread the zero on the lawn to kill the moss last Saturday how long before I can cut the grass asks Marie
1: oh, last Saturday oh you could cut cut away the next dry day the next dry day, Not today. As, look at the zero works within two days type of yeah. thing. You can cut the grass any time after that. So the next dry day, get out and cut the grass. And as I said, make sure you feed it as well to get, bring the colour and bring the, uh, get the grass to fill in those spare patches where the moss has yeah. died.
0: And I think you've probably answered another person's question there indirectly. They were wondering, does it have to be applied on a dry day?
1: Ideally, Ideally yes. what it needs, it needs, yeah, the zero should be applied with, you know, you want at least two hours, or three hours of drying. Uh, once it, once it has dried into the moss, then it can rain all at once after that. So it needs about an hour, two hours. So, um, maybe maybe this afternoon you know pick a, a reasonably dry the sort of weather we've been having has been great yeah. for, for, for spraying
0: yeah, maybe Monday so.
1: Monday I think is promised a relatively dry okay. day so if you want to put on a bit of zero that's the time to do it it doesn't have to be dry all day an hour or two of drying will have it, have it working and it, you know within a day or two then it'll have killed the moss
0: Now, what do you put in soil to stop slugs ruining potatoes?
1: Well, you could consider the variety I've I've recommended um, a couple of weeks back was one called the kestrel, which is a light resistant, or sorry, a slug resistant, slug resistant um, tuber, potato tuber. It's very good on heavy soils. It's very good on soils that are um, prone to slug. The black slug is a slug that attacks potatoes and unfortunately he's beneath the soil he's underneath the soil so, you don't really so the see tra- yeah the traditional kind of pellets don't work as effectively with them and um, so really want to be growing blight re- or um, slug resistant varieties and for me that kestrel is a very very good variety to plant on heavy soils
0: Okay, uh, so Geron, Claire Galway asks uh, if you have any suggestions for improvements to soil in the glasshouse, preparing for tomatoes, cucumber, etc.
1: Well, it really is. It's to mix in. Again, some organic matter would be good. Tomatoes are hungry feeders, so um, they put on lots of growth before they flower and fruit. So you can get a couple of bags of farm manure, composted farm manure. Grow-wise do a, a very good range. Dig that into the soil. It also helps to retain moisture and tomatoes want that as well. You could also add a, a handful of something like Super Grow fertilizer, which is a general purpose fertilizer mm-hmm. which would be ideal for all fruiting plants and vegetables and herbs in the glasshouse so and in tunnel. Indeed it can be used out of doors as well. So a bit of the the um, well composted organic manure, the farm manure would be ideal and then add a little bit of the um, Super Grow through the soil and plant your tomato plants into it.
0: Right now, here is ten questions in right. one. I'll warn you in advance from <laughs> Agatha in Charlestown. Good morning. Uh, was wondering, is it too late to move a clematis Montana? I've dug it up and trimmed it radically, and now fear I've removed this year's display.
1: Do you want to take them one by one? Well, okay, right. Okay, so that's so that's, it for a hand. that's well, number listener, one. Yeah. The listener has dug it up already.
0: Yes. Uh, okay. I've dug it up and trimmed it. Okay. Yes. Well yes. if you've
1: trimmed it, you've taken away the flowers. Montana produces its flowers in April and May. Now that's that's fine. I mean the plant hasn't been spoiled. It has been spoiled for this year and that you get no flowers from it. But the listener's done exactly the right thing in terms of moving the plant. It would be impossible to move it without cutting it back. So dig it up, transplant it now straight away. Make sure you plant it at this the original level that you had you lifted it at. Um Put downs again, some compost, some organic matter, some fertilizer because Monta- Montana is a very, very vigorous climbing plant. It'll produce seven or eight feet this year alone. The growth it's going to produce this year, it'll carry its flowers next April and May. Fun. So the listener has actually done the right thing. Dig it up, transplant it, um, feed it well, and it'll be a ball of color this time next year.
0: Okay. If we're though, how big is the root system of a Virginia creeper as I want to move it, but it's planted under the lawn against the fence and I don't want to destroy the lawn.
1: Okay, well, it's a very fibrous root and it depends on the the age of the plant. But again, it's going to be similar to the um, Montana. You're going to have to trim it back because Virginia Creeper actually sucks on to to its original wall. So you're going to have to tear it back off the wall. And my advice really is to trim it back by halfway. Dig up the root structure. Even though you might damage some of the lawn, it's important to get as much of the root structure as possible because it's easy to fix the lawn afterwards. So my advice is really the steps are uh, just take the sod of grass away so go down about an inch lift the sod of grass and leave it to one side dig up the root of the plant transplant it and replant it add back some topsoil and replace the turf the grass back down again does that make yeah. sense? Yes it does Okay, and, and you're not going to do minimal damage, damage to the lawn by doing that so lift the sod of grass in one piece and move it to one side dig up your plant transplant it put back in some topsoil firm it down well and then put the layer of the original Ooh, grass back, back down again and knit back in together again seamlessly. Excellent, uh,
0: part three. Go on. <laughs> How vigorous is perennial sweet pea? Well, I guess it's pink pearl, red pearl, pink, pink, pearl. pearl yeah, pink pearl. I have it, and I'm wondering, is it enough to grow over a metal arch?
1: Well, I plant one on either side. Mm. It generally, the Everlasting sweet pea will grow to about eight feet, so I would put one on either side and they'll meet in the middle.
0: And that's a, yeah because we have my we my mother has one, and it is beside a metal arch, yeah. and uh, it yes it goes up it kind of goes up to the top, the top of the of, arch, yeah. but it doesn't go over the other side. Right, so you yeah. would need to have them coming from yeah. both sides. Well,
1: both sides, mm. and you could also consider planting maybe another climber as well, maybe a clematis. Just add a bit of one of the Vichicelli, uh, uh clematis would be lovely to mix through the sweet pea as well. So you can put a couple of climbers on the arch but definitely plant either side if you can
0: okay and finally, and Agatha says sorry for the Spanish Inquisition pork. I planted a Galardia. I hope I'm pronouncing that yeah, right. Galardia. Yeah. Dortmund. Last year, and I know it's perennial, it but is. there's no sign of a to return this ah, year.
1: Well it should be. It should be showing some signs of new growth. It may have rotted over the winter with the wet winter with the heavy wet winter we had. They are Galardia is a lovely plant, a real kind of a bit like a sunflower, but it's a smaller plant. and that kind of daisy like flower. Great plant to flower right through to the end of the summer and very, very easy to grow. But in, in heavy wet soils you can can lose them as well even though they are perennial so there should be some signs maybe leave it another fortnight to see is there new growth coming from the base but there should be at this stage I would be surprised if it hasn't started to sprout Uh, if it hasn't it obviously is rotted and you need to if you're going to plant more Mm. Gilardias improve the drainage they do like a very free draining soil but a lovely plant and a very easy plant to grow
0: okay just a couple more because time is starting to go against us Amaryllis Matterhorn I got it for a present. Can you tell me how to look after it, please? asks Francis.
1: Well, if, if the listener probably got it as a bulb or as a as a clump as a plant, so grow it in a pot. Really, is my advice. Um, realist to produce those lovely trumpet shaped flowers. Very easy plant to grow. Perfect in a pot or a container. They're the ones and for
0: Christmas time, aren't they? Well, yeah, are but
1: they? you can you can you you can force them for Christmas, but they'll actually there's varieties oh, that flower during the spring and summer as well. Um, so plant it up in a pot in a terracotta pot in a very free draining soil, something like John Ennis with vermiculite or perlite added to it. Um, plant it up now, put it out of doors. It'll actually grow out of doors for the summer and give you plenty of colour. Um, and then if you had somewhere in the winter time to move it back in, maybe a greenhouse tunnel or a porch or a sheltered part of the garden just to tuck it away for the winter period let it dry off and then it'll next spring it'll re-emerge again and, and um, grow again Forward. so lovely plant so pot it up now terracotta pot good free draining soil like the john ennis compost and um, place it out of doors in a sunny location and it'll grow and it'll grow away grow like uh,
0: what shrubs would you recommend for a very windy site and what fertilizer should we use
1: what shrubs mm. well look at it, it it depends on the um is it a seaside location? It doesn't,
0: doesn't say seaside location okay. now, it just says a windy site. Okay, well, Sorry.
1: <laughs> plants that tolerate wind are things like the hebe family, which do very well. Hydrangeas do very well in, in windswept areas, potentilla, hypericum. Um, there's a whole range of lavender does reasonably well in, in open sites. So it depends on the exposure, it depends on how are close to a, a seaside area my advice is pop in to the garden centre, would show you some of the really um, wind-tolerant plants. There are specifically varieties that grow in seaside areas which have high degree of wind, high degree of salt, and they do very well and will do well in, in windy sites anyway. The one thing I would say is consider putting in some shelter because in a windy site, you're very restricted to the range of plants that you can grow. And you're better to put in some level of protection, a, a good solid hedge, or a, a maybe a hedge in the centre of the garden to create mm. shelter around a shrub bed, because then you've got a, a broader variety of plants that you're able to grow there. But certainly there's a wide range of plants that can, will tolerate a high and windy areas. So awesome. pop into your local garden centre and they'll advise you. Okay, Look at the seaside collection. For example, that that will be that they will, will be get... all wind tolerant.
0: Great. Uh, finally, black spots on a camellia. What might be the problem?
1: Well, camellias over the winter are always going to pick up some because they're an evergreen plant. A bit like rhododendrons and, and azaleas, you'll always get some markings on the actual foliage. Unless it's terribly bad, I, I would just ignore it. To be honest. Um, this time of year, we're coming to the time for feeding camellias. Mm. They're in flower at the moment, and as they go through the summer months, that's the time to feed them well. There's a specific fertilizer we use uh, called Ericaceous feed, specifically for camellias, rhododendrons, azaleas. Put that on it now. That'll encourage some new growth. And if you want, if the leaves are very badly damaged, you can take remove those. Just li- literally take them off. So that's a bit of winter damage. It's not a disease or pest, and camellias will typically back. pick that up. If you feed them, they'll bounce back from that.
0: We'll have to leave it there, Pork thanks indeed for all of that so remember Friday. the
1: Easter farm it's mm-hmm. a, it's in Hawkins Internal Turnock Castle Barn there's a whole range of activities for the, for the children um, so just come down and see the animals and uh, the, the donkeys are there and the terry the tortoise as you mentioned the maricats all of that so it's a fun weekend a
0: fun weekend and and, and there throughout the week as well presumably
1: absolutely all yeah. right throughout yeah. the week right throughout Easter
0: great stuff thank you very much indeed uh, stand by Michael Neary is coming your way next with Country Classics that's it from me we're back again next Saturday just after 7 And until then, have yourselves a great weekend and a very happy Easter.